walks down the street, he says, why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight. Far away, my well-lit Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 208 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a deep dive into the WPP, SEC's FCPA enforcement action. Well, hello everyone, hope you're doing well. I'm glad you could join us for this uh, deep dive into an interesting FCPA enforcement action. I like all the initials there, WPP, a global advertiser. Uh, and the SEC, not the Justice Department, but the SEC's FCPA enforcement action. Before we get started and digging into that, uh, here's a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, we uh, haven't seen much from the Justice Department in terms of uh, FCPA enforcement. Um, it's hard to tell what's going on. Uh, it could be that uh, they're waiting uh, more for the you know, end of this interagency task force process uh, that's going on uh, with regard to the anti-corruption initiative when the uh, Biden administration designated anti-corruption as a national security interest. Um, But we'll see. Uh, But what's happened is uh, we've had to focus a little bit more. There have been more OFAC sanctions enforcement actions, but we got a really interesting case that came out of the SEC in the FCPA area, and I know they have a number of cases anyways um, that they're working on, and I don't think they have the same uh, restrictions that maybe the Justice Department is on 
in terms of, you know, coming out with a big bang of cases uh, at the end of that process. So this case, uh, you know, the SEC announced this settlement uh, with WPP. It's the world's largest advertising group for FCPA violations in India, China, Brazil, and Peru, and for a total of $19.2 million. Um, there were, there's plenty of evidence of bribery, books and records, and internal accounting controls uh, violations. Um, it's not clear to me what's going on, if anything, with the Justice Department. I don't know if there was. Uh, you know, I've looked for some sort of acknowledgement of an ongoing investigation, but have not been able to see anything. But uh, it seems to me like it is a good case for the Justice Department to get involved in, but we'll see. So WPP has a dual headquarters in London and New York City and operates through a large network of subsidiary agencies in numerous uh, international locations, and they're referred to as networks. Uh, in a number of cases that are at issue here, WPP acquired small localized agencies in emerging markets such as India, China, and South America that were previously owned by the local agency's founders. Um, WPP's shares, uh, ADRs, are registered with the SEC and traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So, hence the SEC uh, jurisdiction. Now, WPP implemented an aggressive growth strategy that included acquiring a number of these local agencies to build up a global network of advertising capabilities. Um, and in executing this growth strategy, they failed to ensure that its accounting controls, compliance policies, you know, uh, were appropriately expanded uh, to mitigate uh, the, the growth of its business in these high-risk markets. Instead, as detailed by the SEC, WPP deferred to the local CEO and founders of the acquired entities to exercise autonomy and influence over their local operations. Uh, true recipe for disaster. And uh, WPP's founder, Martin Sorrell, uh, and he was the, the chief executive officer during much of the bribery conduct, um, you know, was not really attentive to that issue, nor did he make compliance any kind of uh, priority. Uh, they operate WPP in over 100 countries, and they currently own or control 2,241 companies. And in a number of cases, WPP established basically in the, as a result of the acquisition, they, they created financial incentives for the local agency and the former CEOs to hit certain revenue targets in order to receive deferred payments under the acquisition agreements. So there were earnouts that were included. As a result, WPP failed to respond to repeated warnings of corruption or control failures at these subsidiaries even after receiving multiple complaints um, on their hotline uh, about ongoing bribery schemes, WPP failed to respond by ensuring proper investigations were conducted. Um, and in one stark example, WPP's India subsidiary continued to bribe local government officials despite the fact that uh, WPP had received seven separate anonymous complaints reporting the bribery conduct. So as outlined in the SEC's administrative order, WPP engaged in several bribery schemes, uh, and we're going to focus on India, China, Brazil, and Peru. 
in India, uh, the Indian subsidiary paid millions of dollars in bribes through intermediaries to Indian officials to secure government business. In China, WPP's subsidiary paid a vendor to secure a favorable tax finding, resulting in significant tax savings to WPP's subsidiary. In Brazil, WPP's subsidiary made uh, improper payments to alleged vendors to secure government contracts. And finally, in Peru, uh, the subsidiary acted as an intermediary for a local construction company to funnel bribes to fund a political campaign for the mayor of Lima, Peru. So under the SEC's order, uh, WPP agreed to pay disgorgement of $10 million, a little bit more, plus prejudgment interest of $1.1 million, and a civil money p- penalty in the amount of $8 million. And in resolving the enforcement action, the SEC credited WPP's cooperation and remediation. It included sharing facts developed in the course of its own internal investigation and forensic accounting reviews, translating key documents, and making current and former employees located abroad available for interviews. Finally, WPP's remediation included a number of uh, important initiatives. One, they terminated senior executives and other employees involved in the misconduct and separated from employees with uh, supervisory responsibilities over the misconduct. They strengthened its global compliance, internal investigations, risk and control functions, including the creation of 36 new positions globally, enhanced its internal audit function, created network risk committees to prevent detect and remediate corruption risk, conducted global annual compliance risk assessments, conducted proactive reviews of remaining entities in Brazil, China, and India, streamlined business and back office functions, functions, including the merger of local networks into a smaller number of local networks, enhanced the procedures for engagement of third parties, and enhanced training to all employees. So that's kind of the background, Um, and what I'd like to do is now sort of dig a little bit more into the schemes in India, China, Brazil, and Peru. Uh, The schemes are instructive because they remind all of us uh, in this field of the number of ways in which bribery can be carried out. And in this way, the SEC's uh, enforcement action is really informative, and there are a couple of helpful reminders. So let's start with India, because that was the most significant activity, I think, and most pervasive. In July 2011, WPP obtained a majority interest in an agency located in Hyderabad, and the co-founder was, again, following the model that I uh, mentioned earlier, uh, was appointed to lead the subsidiary, and half of the revenue for that subsidiary came from a... uh, Uh, government contract with the uh, Department of Information and Public Relations in two states of Telangana and Andhra uh, Pradesh. And they were, uh, and they would read, and they were, the CEO was responsible for retaining, uh, or I'm sorry, the government agency was responsible for retaining media, media agencies to conduct advertising and PR campaigns to promote their state governments. So starting in 2015 and continuing to 2017, 
WPP received seven anonymous complaints alleging two specific bribery schemes involving the DIPR. That's the government uh, media agency. The first involved the use of a third-party agency, Vendor A, who was used to purchase media for uh, DIPR and the creation of an off-the-books slush fund. The second involved a fabricated advertising campaign in order to create a second off-the-books fund at a third-party agency, Vendor B, who then paid uh, DIPR officials for awarding contracts to the Indian subsidiary and the personal benefit of the CEO. So the Vendor A bribery scheme basically worked as follows. DIPR awarded the India subsidiary a contract under which the India subsidiary created an advertisement and then purchased space in newspapers to display the advertisement. DIPR paid a set publicly available fee to the media agencies for purchasing advertisement space, and it was called the card rate, an established rate. CEO A was able to negotiate rates with the note the newspapers that were less, significantly less than the card rate to be paid by the government agency. And then they utilized the difference between the car rate, card rate and the actual price paid for bribes to DIPR officials. And, uh, and this was the way they sort of carried this out. So then after the paying the newspapers and taking its cut of the scheme, vendor A then made payments to the DIPR officials and to CEO A. So there was an initial complaint in July 2015 about the ongoing bribery, and WPP directed its financial director in India to investigate the allegations. The India uh, director hired an international accounting firm, and the accounting firm, and you can tell here the problem that's going to come up, uh, just relied on information that was provided by CEO A, and the subsidiary's CFO. And they did not communicate with anybody else, any third parties, they, uh, and, did, and they gave a report that did, basically did not even address the bribery allegations, but just identified risks and certain red flags. In the spring of 2016, WPP received three additional anonymous complaints related to the vendor bribery scheme uh, that, I meant, that I described earlier. And this time, the financial director retained the same accounting firm, requested the firm to conduct a transactional review, and they asked for uh, vendors, vendor A's documentation of relevant invoices. And what did vendor A do? Well, of course, they refused to turn them over. The India CFO turn, terminated the relationship. With regard to the second bribery scheme, this is the vendor B scheme, uh, this involved the Indian subsidiary paying DIPR officials through an intermediary, but for a non-existent, basically, uh, advertising campaign. They paid the India subsidiary $1.5 million to allegedly execute a media campaign to celebrate the formation of the Indian state of Telangana in June 2015. In reality, no such campaign occurred. No services were provided. Instead, CFO A requested that vendor B falsify documents to reflect that they had provided the services to justify paying money to vendor B, which in turn paid over a million to a third-party intermediary 
responsible for making payments to the DIPR officials. With the remaining funds, Vendor B made cash payments to C- to the CEO and to the subsidiary to pay some overdue bills. In 2017, WPP received additional anonymous complaints about the bribery schemes, and this time, WPP directed a member of its legal team to conduct an investigation, which included review of various email accounts stored on servers in the U.S. The legal investigation basically uncovered the email communications dating back to 2015 that confirmed the bribery payments. Ultimately, the CEO admitted that he was aware of the payments um, and the bribery payments, and they terminated both the CEO and the CFO. And as a result of this bribery schemes, scheme, WPP earned $5.6 million in unjust enrichment. So that's the India situation. Uh, in China, in 2014, WPP again obtained a majority interest in an agency headquartered in Shanghai, China, which focused on celebrity branding and endorsement. Uh, they appointed the lo- local co-founder to serve as the CEO. This is CEO B. And in November 2018, the subsidiary was able to avoid paying $3.2 million in taxes to a Chinese tax authority by making payments to a vendor identified by tax officials and providing $2,000 worth of gifts and entertainment to tax officials during the same time period. China's subsidiary paid approximately $107,000 to the tax officials' chosen vendor in the two months before a tax audit was finalized. The vendor kept a small percentage of the money and transmitted the rest to an unknown recipient. Although subsidiaries' books and records reflected that the vendor performed services for the client, a China subsidiary employee falsified documentation to justify the transaction. Now, despite the presence of red flags that if they had been investigated could have led to prevention or detection, (coughs) excuse me, of China's subsidiaries' improper payments, WPP did not uncover the scheme until early 2019 while conducting an unrelated review. And in 2017 and 2018, WPP was aware of these red flags uh, surrounding the tax audit and improper use of a vendor. And they received an email complaint outlining serious concerns but took no action. And then they overlooked, in 2018, another warning sign stemming from CEO B's inconsistent explanation of the resolution of the tax audit. Later, WPP uncovered an off-the-books account maintained by the China subsidiary, reflecting the payments to the vendor recommended by the tax officials. As a result, CEO B finally resigned a year and a half after WPP first became aware of the significant issues at the China subsidiary. Now let's go to Brazil. In Brazil, in 2016, WPP obtained, again, a majority interest in the public relations agency in Sao Paulo. Uh, they kept the minority uh, owner who would uh, serve as the CEO, that's CEOC. And WPP had an advisor payment policy that prohibited its companies from paying third parties to assist in obtaining or retaining government contracts without WPP's approval. Despite the policy, Brazil's subsidiary made improper payments to vendors in connection with securing government contracts at CEOC's direction. 
these payments uh, directly violated that policy that I just mentioned, uh, and they may have been passed to government officials with authority to award the contracts, but to disguise the facts, the fact that these payments were made to the vendors uh, related to obtaining or retaining government contracts, Brazil's subsidiary falsified its books and records to reflect that the vendors performed bona fide services such as marketing or IT services. Okay, let's go to uh, the final country, which is Peru. And in 1996, uh, WPP obtained, again, a majority interest in a company headquartered in Lima. And uh, we had a new CEO, local CEO, who was put in charge, CEO D. Uh, and they retained a 30% stake in the company. Uh, they terminated CEO D in 2018 for participating in this illegal bribery scheme. And the scheme involved a construction company that was funding the mayor of Lima's political campaign in exchange for contracts. At CEO D's urging, Peru's subsidiary agreed to pay a conduit for the construction company's bribe to the mayor. And uh, they disguised the corrupt source of the funds used for the mayor by funneling the construction company's payments to, un, to Peru's subsidiary through other subsidiaries in Colombia and Chile. Consequently, the WPP subsidiaries in Colombia and Chile falsely recorded that they received money in return for services performed for the construction company, and Peru's subsidiary maintained no records indicating that the construction company paid for a portion of the mayor of Lima's political campaigns. WPP did not uncover the role in the bribery here uh, until a criminal proceeding highlighted the conduct in 2019. So those are, uh, that's basically a review of the schemes here. And uh, I wanted to uh, take a moment and let's talk about what our lessons learned are with respect to the WPP enforcement action. Frankly, there are just uh, so many lessons learned. Uh, there's so many examples here of uh, missing or gaps in compliance that uh, uh, you know, this, this is like shooting fish in a barrel here. Um, let's start with some of the basic and obvious ones. Uh, first uh, is the lack of due diligence. Um, and uh, they failed to conduct uh, due dil- diligence for any of the third parties involved in the various bribery schemes. Uh, they brought in uh, third parties for purposes just to pay bribes or funnel bribes. Uh, which is important, and there's no uh, there's no guarantee that the due diligence results would have resulted in preventing the relationship, but it certainly was uh, an important first step to take uh, to try to identify potential risks. Perhaps the most uh, significant uh, lesson learned to me is that uh, the responses to employee concerns to have seven. Um, basically anonymous complaints come in during the time of a bribery scheme uh, to not respond appropriately until uh, you had your financial director running these uh, internal investigations should have been done in a more professional way, a more responsive way. Once legal got involved, legal uncovered the scheme. uh, And had they uncovered the scheme early on, they could have avoided a year's worth of bribery. 
So this was a failure to, to not only respond to the concerns, and it's amazing that they continued to get concerns even in the way that they were defectively responding to them. You would have thought that the employees at some point might have thought to themselves, it's not even worth sending this information in. There also was uh, the improper use of the outside accounting firm to investigate the bribery concerns. Using the global accounting firm uh, and the execution of the investigation, which at basically depended upon the subjects of the investigation to provide information to the accounting firm, uh, and basically that gave them an opportunity to then just mislead the accounting firm, which is what happened. And also there was not a proper scoping of the accounting firm's investigation, uh, which was to determine whether or not these bribery allegations were um, accurate or not. So that was uh, pretty obvious as well. Um, the other failure was to uncover local employee forgeries and falsification of documentation. Uh, on occasion, WPP employees falsified or forged invoices and other documents relating to non-existent or inflated services allegedly provide, provided by outside vendors. This failure to confirm appropriate documentation and services provided by a vendor underscores the risk that insiders can manipulate uh, financial controls on the invoice-to-payment process. Um, obviously, we had defective ac internal accounting controls that um, basically it was clear that these controls really were, weren't even applied to acquisition targets, and even if they were extended, the controls were ignored or circumvented, and uh, they obviously were defective on their face, and it's hard to imagine how WPP's auditor never tested nor identified the weaknesses in its controls, particularly given their gross of aggressive growth strategy. Um, and we had a ab complete absence of acquisition integration planning. Uh, it's always an important issue from my perspective. Um, the blatant misconduct here underscored the importance of integration planning and execution with regard to acquisition targets. WPP adopted an aggressive acquisition strategy to grow its business. Given its high-risk nature of its acquisition strategy, they should have adopted a robust due diligence pre-acquisition program and detailed acquisition, post-acquisition integration uh, audits and compliance audits. And that should have included prompt training, adoption of compliance program policies and procedures, and robust uh, FCPA audits. Those are just a few off the top of my head there because those are, uh, I mean, this was really a pretty pervasive uh, uh, scheme, you know, here that was just basically blindly ignored uh, by the, uh, the senior management and the leadership of WPP. Basically, they brought this on themselves knowing full well what the risks were, uh, and I can't imagine they were surprised in the end with this uh, result. Anyway, uh, an interesting case. Let's see if there's anything coming from the Justice Department on it. But uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. 
Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. I can call you Betty, Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. A man walks down the street, he says, why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention, and oh, my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model is gone, gone? Be ducked back down the alley with some roly-poly little bat-faced girl. All along, along, there were incidents and accidents. There were hints and allegations. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. I can call you Betty, and Betty, when you call me, Hallelujah, if you'll be my bodyguard, I can be